CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. You found primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back on primetime action, VSIN's primetime action, that is. Gil Alexander, Adam Burke, and for Matt Brown tonight, Kelly Bidlin. Glad you could uh, join us, hang with us tonight. A uh, whole bunch going on around the sports world. The big thing tonight, though, is the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix favored by three, two best teams record-wise in the NBA. Some might argue the two best teams, period, no matter what. Phoenix with a 16-game winning streak on the line tonight in their first meeting with the Dubs. We bring in Drew Densick from both the Bet the Edge and Deep Dive podcasts. At whale underscore capper. How you doing, Drew? Good to see you oh, again. I'm, of course. It's great to see you guys. And uh, good to see my old friend, uh, Adam Burke, Skate Tripod. It's been a while. There uh, you go. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's great night so far. Really enjoying the second half effort from the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> they uh, obviously uh, did not love the, uh, the poor crowd support in the first half. And they came out with a, a fire and intensity that has been lacking all season. Uh, I've been wondering what it would take to really light a fire under these guys and get the best out of them. And we are seeing it right now. It is pretty impressive. Of, honestly, uh, 22 five run to start the second half here, which yeah. is uh, 80, to, nice. 80 to 66, make it 83 to 66 as <laughs> Kevin Durant's mom, Wanda, looks on. Uh, no, it was a two pointer, pardon me, 82 to 66, 515 left in the third in favor of the Eastern Conference leading Brooklyn Nets. What about Golden State and Phoenix tonight? Let's start there. What did you play, if anything? 
Okay. So I played, uh, I took the threes this morning uh, with golden state happy when I saw the market kind of move with me from two and a half down to two. And then I got very confused in the middle of the day when there was just some wild sun steam, pushed that number up to three and a half. Uh, I thought maybe there was maybe some inside information that Wiggins was going to sit because he was the only real question mark on that, uh, you know, for of, of the meaningful players. Um, but Wiggins is gone and it's starting to trickle back in the direction of the, uh, of the warriors. I think I'm going to get my closing line back value here. If this closes around two and a half, which it ought to looking at some of the market making shops here. So uh, a good, uh, good matchup for golden state in general. Um, love what they're doing defensively this season. Uh, I would say that underrated right now for defensive player of the year is Draymond green, possibly get a little voter fatigue around uh, you know, voting for Rudy Gobert again, uh, on top of the fact that Draymond's defense has really launched the golden state warriors to being one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. Um, and uh, realistically, this is a, a nice matchup for them getting the Suns at home after a very, very hard-fought road trip. Suns had to play against, you know, with a, a rest disadvantage, four straight games on the road last week. Finally, come home. Potential that you get a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of tired legs out of these guys after how difficult last week was for them. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, the the Warriors have had a pretty easy go of it, just in terms of the grind of the season so far. Uh, a little bit fresher team. Um, they're doing this. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing this, uh, within game load management, maybe is the right way to put it, uh, where you, you know, they really, you know, kind of feel you out in the first half and then come out of the third quarter and just absolutely light the world on fire. It's been a fun bet to make a uh, third quarter, uh, warriors so far. And I think that, uh, is probably their strategy for this game. Kind of let the crowd kind of get the, some of the energy out, hang with the uh, suns through the first half, and then really put on the afterburners in the second half, get the win, uh, move themselves up in the standings, you know, even, you know, create some separation in the standings between them and the Suns uh, for both the Pacific title and the uh, number one overall seed in the Western Conference. Drew, great to chat with you again, man. I got to ask you here, we were talking about stats and, and analyzing data and all that during the previous segment. So I want to ask you, in terms of looking at, at the NBA from a broader standpoint, are there some positive regression teams that you see some indicators where maybe they're going to get a little bit better here in the near future? And then, of course, on the flip side, are there some negative regression candidates where you're kind of looking to fade some teams here coming up? Yeah, I think at this point in the season, you almost certainly have to look at two key factors. Who has had a tough go of it from a fatigue standpoint to where their numbers are depressed and we could explain why, right? There are teams like the uh, Atlanta Hawks, first one to come to mind, uh, that they're finally compiling wins. They're climbing out of the hole that they dug themselves in the standings from earlier in the season. But a team like that is still underpriced as I'm looking at the uh, the look ahead for tomorrow against the Indiana Pacers. That's about a pick them to uh, minus one Indiana. That number makes no sense if you have any kind of a strong prior on the, the Hawks who were a top four team in the East coming into this season. Uh, and realistically, now that they're fresher, now that they're, you know, that they, the, the fatigue has kind of waned in terms of uh, them playing at a disadvantage, they should be able to compile some, a nice little streak here, uh, put themselves back in the conversation of the top six in the Eastern conference. And, uh, and that's, they stand out the most clearly to me as a, a positive regression candidate. Milwaukee's in a similar boat. Milwaukee's finally healthy. Uh, if you look at their statistics, a lot of their 
poor play in the first part of the season were games where you had, they had no Chris Middleton, they had no uh, Drew Holiday, and uh, they really rely on those three players pretty heavily from both the usage and an efficiency standpoint, uh, you know, over the balance of the season. So they're, they're not quite as underrated as Atlanta is. They're, you know, I'm looking at seven and a half, eights for tomorrow against Charlotte. Charlotte's in a bad spot uh, rest-wise as well in this one particularly. So uh, Milwaukee should be able to take advantage of that. But Milwaukee and Atlanta are the two in the uh, Eastern Conference that I would expect to regress positively. And then the flip side of that uh, coin in the East specifically, I would point to the uh, Chicago Bulls. They've had a pretty easy go of it so far. Um, they are dealing with a, a number of uh, you know injuries, particularly uh, you know losing Patrick Williams for the season. That should impact their defense at some point. They play fast. Uh, you know that's going to have some impact uh, in general if uh, if their defense slips uh, as they play a little bit more efficient uh, offensive teams. Um, and then um, the only other kind of obvious candidate as I look at up and down the board, um, you know, I'm not really buying at all that the um, that the Mavericks are top half of the uh, Western Conference, uh, you know, type of team, at least the way that Luca's playing right now. He needs to, come, you know, he needs to kind of find his form, uh, which we I would expect to happen come, you know, January, February. But uh, uh, he's not getting much help down there. And uh, now they lose Porzingis potentially for a couple of, um, uh, you know, for a couple of games here. And, uh, you know, you could see Dallas slide in the standings a bit. But, um, you know, player availability is going to determine a lot of this stuff uh, on top of just who has kind of had easy schedules from both a rest and opponent standpoint to this point in the season. Drew, let's talk some football. I see you've added some sides since this morning. Tell us about them. Yeah, I'm up to uh, up to about six looks here for week 13. It's a tough card, honestly. Uh, these numbers are starting to sharpen up real tight. Uh, I only played three sides and three totals. I have the Denver uh, plus tens for Sunday night football. I think that uh, number should be closer to a touchdown. Uh, I grab. I laid the points with the uh, San Francisco 49ers against Seattle. Um, starting to wonder why we're not hearing more buzz about the quality of play from Jimmy Garoppolo so far this season. Really, if you isolate particularly this latest run from him. He is playing with a lot more confidence than we saw earlier this season. Maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, hey, I now have kind of solidified my starting role here. I'm not looking over my shoulder at Trey Lance. And so he's playing a little bit better on top of the fact that uh, the offensive line is affording him plenty of time to execute in the pocket. Uh, so I think San Francisco continues to um, to make uh, this the season from hell for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and then I laid the points with the Minnesota Vikings against Detroit. Seven is uh, uh, not a big enough number for the sad state of the Detroit Lions, particularly offensively here. I know that when they played in Minnesota earlier this season, Minnesota was the hot side that got bet out from about eight to about 11 and never really, you know, was never in doubt. Detroit was an easy cover wire to wire here. Um, and they have a little bit of a rest advantage, obviously having played on Thursday and now getting to wait until Sunday to play. However, um, you know, I don't see them being able to take advantage of some of the weaknesses in Minnesota's defense right now. Uh, and uh, realistically, that secondary is going to be impossibly tested going up against the likes of Jefferson and Thielen uh, and at the level that Kirk Cousins is dealing right now. Minnesota should be able to win this one with double digits, so I laid the seven there. So I want to ask about one of these totals that you got on the board here, Drew, and that's Washington and the Raiders, over 49.5, this number approaching 50, so this one is getting up there a little bit. Uh, the Darren Waller injury for the Raiders avoided a major injury, but obviously still way less than 100%. What is it about that game you're seeing here between the Raiders and Washington? 
Yeah. So my, my uh, fare there was 51. Uh, and you know, anytime you're going to get under 51, which is now kind of a quasi key number sort of at the top of, uh, you know, top of the totals range. Now uh, I'm interested in those type of games. I think the fact that this is lined around to pick them, uh, the fact that Washington's defense is not getting much of a, of a pass rush this season and their coverage has gaping holes, particularly in like the 15 to 25 yard downfield range, all of that plays directly into the strength of what Vegas wants to do in terms of executing their offense. Uh, I was impressed by Vegas's approach and aggressiveness against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Obviously now I don't know that they are going to be able to win wire to wire against Washington, who is playing a lot better right now than what we saw from them earlier this season. Um, but Washington is in a great spot and their offensive line is fully healthy. They're playing terrific uh, football. They're going to be able to neutralize the pass rush for the Raiders, which is the only thing the Raiders have going defensively. If you can take Max Crosby out of this game, then I think Taylor, Tyler, uh, Taylor Heineke is going to be able able to, um, you know, to get it done with McLaurin matching up well against a weak secondary for Las Vegas. And similarly, Antonio Gibson out of the backfield has been a dynamic playmaker for them. Uh, so I think you're looking at really two healthy offenses that are going to be able to find their form here against two defenses that I think are uh, somewhat one dimensional and uh, basically can be contained. 11 to three run here by the uh, Knicks, Drew. Just want to point that. No, out. no. Oh, Sorry. boy. Just want to point that. Out. Well, no. The Nets bench, Nets bench is suspect, man. The yeah. minute you get the uh, you give the starters a blow, the uh, uh, the next Knicks have been coming right back. In fact, I think uh, what you're seeing a lot in this game, Derrick Rose has gotten a couple of days off, and he looks fresh as can be. He's really uh, doing a nice job of sort of steering the bench unit out of uh, you know it, trying to get them back into contention here. But uh, I'm looking for Nets uh, minus four and a half here in the second half. So hopefully uh, All right. Harden and Durant come back in and put this away. You're, you're looking good <laughs> thus far, 88 to 82 in favor of Brooklyn here. One minute left in the third quarter. And then finally, as we go out the door, Eagles, Jets under 46, Jags, Rams over 48. Those are your other two totals. Yeah, again, kind of. Uh, I'm on. I'm seeing uh, kind of key numbers in both of these spots. I'm at uh, 44 in Philadelphia versus the Jets. I think you know, re- irrespective of who goes quarterback-wise for Philadelphia, this is a good opportunity for Philadelphia's D-line to dictate this game, uh, going up against a weak Jets offensive line. Uh, and then similarly, I think the Rams are going to be able to try to snap out of their funk going up against the Jacksonville defense that is quite quite close. All right, Drew, we appreciate it as always at Whale underscore Capper. Thank you, sir. Hey, best of luck tonight, guys. You too, Drew Densick, everybody. We'll come back. Baseball next. VEASAN's primetime action. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Back on primetime action from the South Point Hotel Casino. Gil Alexander, Adam Burke in for Matt Brown today, and Kelly Bidlin. Let's talk a little MLB. A free agency frenzy. That's what we've titled this graphic. So, uh, you know, try to get a little alliteration, as you said earlier, going. Not quite. Not quite. Burke's betting blurbs. Not quite. Not quite. That's still the best. Sorry I let you down. Yeah. You could have, yeah, I don't it's know. It's a frenzy, man. Frenzy. frenzy. It's, a, it's a free agency frenzy. So uh, these big signings, Adam, which obviously have been uh, plastered all over the, the news. First, before we get into your thoughts on this, explain to us why these are happening in such a flurry right now. 
Yeah, so this is really unique. I mean, obviously, you think about other sports where free agency day is huge. I mean, it's, it's enormous in the NHL. It's big in the NBA. Uh, it's big in the NFL and all that. But Major League Baseball's free agency is typically a slow burn. It happens from the end of November all the way into spring training. But this year, the collective bargaining agreement expires Wednesday night. I believe it's Wednesday night at 11.59 p.m., December 1st. So what that means is unless they sign a new agreement, and they being MLB and the MLB Players Association, the league will officially be in a labor stoppage as Ugh. of tomorrow night, Ugh. which is going to happen. They're not going to sign anything between now and then. Right. But these teams are trying to position themselves to get all of their transactions done, get things signed, be able to complete physicals, and then have everything completely polished off by the time the league goes into a labor stoppage. I so see. that's why we're getting this big free agent frenzy right now. And you know, going forward, the players that are unsigned will be in uh, very uncertain territory, to say the least. Can I ask you a really silly question? This is the just the ignorant question coming from the corner of ignorance. All these massive contracts. Why is there a why is there a, a labor stoppage? It seems like there's there's no end to the spigot of money. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff in terms of player control. You know, I mean, you could sell, let's say you sign a kid at 16 out of the Dominican Republic, something like that. You, if you essentially have that player for 12, 13 years, basically, because of the years that they're in the minor leagues, and then you've got arbitration, and then you've got you know how long free agency is away. You've got six, seven years of control on these players. So what a lot of this is is basically just trying to protect the younger guys, trying to protect the guys that don't hit free agency until they're 31, 32. Now, this is kind of naturally fixing itself because players are making their debuts at such a young age now mm -hmm. relative to how they were a few years ago. But there's a lot of that in terms of the arbitration process. And, you know, one of the top free agents available, Chris Bryant, should have been a free agent last year. But he's a free agent this year because the – Cubs manipulated his service time. Right. They wound up winning the grievance that he filed and all of that. So you just have a lot of animosity between the players and the agents and the owners in terms of the contract structures for Major League Baseball. So it's we, just about hitting free agency earlier, basically. We see that at the beginning of most years with a, with a player that isn't called up right at the beginning of the year. They wait till what, late April or whatever it is to right. have that extra year of control. Here are the big signings that have happened uh, so far. have been trapped under a heavy object, the biggest of which is the Max Scherzer signing with the New York Mets for a cool three years and $130 million. And as you were saying off air, at a rather advanced age. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's John Wall money, as we like to say around these parts. Uh, so Scherzer ends up with the Mets. You have a DeGrom, assuming you'll be healthy. DeGrom, Scherzer, one-two punch. Pick your order of those two guys. The Mets are not strangers to having a great staff on paper. Hasn't really worked out through the years with injuries. Thor is gone. Syndergaard is gone. Uh, Kevin Gaussman goes from the Giants to the Blue Jays. Five years, $110 million. Those are and, and Robbie Ray, who was with the Blue Jays, goes to the Mariners for five years, $115 million. Then the position players, the Rangers. Who do the Texas Rangers think they are? Marcus Semien, seven years, $175 million. Then Corey Seager ends up with them, uh, formerly of the Dodgers. Ten years, $325 million. To the point where if you're semi and you're probably like, whoa, wait a minute, what, what just happened? I thought my contract was good. Starling Marte also at the bottom to the Mets for four years, $78 million. Which is the one, I mean, Scherzer's the one that leaps off the page, but which is the other one where you're like, okay, this is something? The other one that leaps off the page to me is Toronto getting Kevin Gaussman. I think that's a phenomenal signing for them. I completely believe in what Kevin Gaussman's been doing, whereas I'm not entirely sure that what we saw from Robbie Ray 
is actually what we will see going forward. Interesting. Toronto has completely rebuilt their rotation within the last two years, and they've gone out and spent some money to do it, and that's what they needed to do because their young position player core is outstanding. Oh, so if so they're good. able to fix the bullpen, and they did have some bullpen issues last year, if they're able to fix the bullpen from a personnel standpoint and also get the manager, Charlie Montoyo, to deploy the bullpen a little bit more effectively – this is a Toronto team that could very well end up winning the World Series this year. They are that good. They are that talented. They are that deep. And it is a very difficult division, obviously. But to this point, the Yankees haven't spent any money. The Red Sox have been content content not to spend. The Rays, they went out and got Corey Kluber, who probably becomes a Cy Young candidate yet again just by going to Tampa Bay. But I think Toronto is really, really well positioned here. The one thing I'm really interested to see and we'll start to see season win total markets come out probably mid-January or so. So the Texas Rangers, right? They get Marcus Semien. They get Corey Seager. They also signed John Gray, yeah. who's going to be probably their number two starter behind Dane Dunning, I would say. They also got Cole Calhoun. They've signed four legitimate Major League players to basically double the number of Major League players that are on their roster. <laughs> they were not a good team last year at all whatsoever. Yeah. And I don't think that these four guys make them that good of a team either. So I'm really curious to see what their season win total comes out looking like if it gets inflated a little bit because of these big signings and the big dollar amounts that they've thrown around because they still don't have any starting pitching depth. They don't have a great bullpen. And outside of Seager and Semyon, most of their lineup is, is below average, is yeah. subpar. So I'm really curious to see what kind of happens with that, uh, you know, with their season win total and with kind of what their futures market looks like going forward. Yeah, so, all, all DraftKings has posted right now is league winners and the World Series winners, but they are they have the second longest odds still in the AL to win the AL at 45 to one, and then they are 90 to one to win the World Series. Longest odds belong to the Orioles. Man, I just got off that Pirates. Page. Yes, Orioles in the, in the, in the AL. AL. Yeah. 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 Orioles 75 to 1. Tigers sign Javier Baez. We didn't uh, post that, but that was another big signing today. Well, I, I will say a couple of things real quick. The Pirates, they spent $11 million already in free agency, which is crazy for them because yeah. their payroll was around like $37 million. But I do think that something to keep in mind as the CBA negotiations go on, this could be indicative of a salary floor in Major League Baseball. I know that's something that's kind of been talked about. You have some teams that are outright tanking, not trying at all to win whatsoever. But here are the Pirates in advance of this CBA deadline actively spending money in free agency. Now, it's not a lot, obviously, but it's something. So maybe that suggests that there could be a salary floor coming up, which is something that teams like the Indians will have to worry about. Um, you know, Teams like the Orioles, they'll have to try to better themselves. But the Javier Baez thing, along with Eduardo Rodriguez, who I think is a very good bargain at the price they got him at, especially relative to seeing what Robbie Ray got today, I may have some futures investment on the Tigers hmm. for this upcoming season. The only other good team in the AL Central is the White Sox. So maybe the Tigers either luck their way into a division title or find a way to get themselves into that wild card chase. They were a 9-24 and team last year after 33 games, and they wound up flirting with 500 when they all sure was said did. and done. Yeah. A.J. Hinch is a great manager. I think that really helps them. They've got some talent coming up. They've got very good young pitching. The Tigers are a team I will probably at least have a season win total over bet on, but I could have more than that once the odds officially kind of settle in. What about that? So we were talking about how great season win totals bets still are because of the 162 games. The futures market, though, is a different animal because you can still make the case. Like you were just talking about the Blue Jays. Oh, Blue Jays might be a great but But, you know, they're only like 13 to 1. 
And, it, you know, we have just last year as the most recent example of you could have gotten the Braves at a great price in July, right? Also for awards, it should be pointed out. You could have gotten Robbie Ray at 35-1 to 1 at the end of August, right? And he ended up with a Cy Young. You'd got him at 100-1 to 1 in July. So back to the futures market for a second. Do you make a lot of futures bets before the season even starts? Based on that? Typically, no. I'll do a lot in terms of season win totals. When it comes to futures, like this year, for example, I had the Brewers at 55-1 to to win the World Series just because I felt like that division was completely wide open, completely up for grabs. You gave it a run. When you look at the World Series market for this year, though, you have 13 teams that are 20-1 to or lower. So you run into a situation now where Major League Baseball appears to have a lot of parity, at least at the top. So that makes it really tough to try and find some prices that are out there, maybe some long shots that you want to throw around. Maybe like a Reds at 45-1, to 1, just because I think the Central is still pretty wide open. But also they lose Nick Castellanos. They could end up trading Luis Castillo. You know, I don't do a whole lot with the futures market prior to the season. I'm looking more at props, maybe home run king stuff, things of that sort. But for me, it's mostly looking at season win totals because, as you said, yeah. you can get better prices during the season. You know, a reactionary type of thing where maybe one of these 12 to 1, 13 to 1 teams is 500 after 40 games. They're six games out in their division. All of a sudden, you might find that team at 25 to 1 instead of 15 to 1. 100%. So it's worth waiting around for sure if you're talking about the futures market. But I think season win totals are very much worth attacking. What was the Dodgers the year they lost the Astros? I always tell this story. I, I timed, you, you're not going to time everything perfectly, but that was the one team in one season as they were 16 and 26. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, that was the day that I bet them. Now, they didn't end up winning the World Series, but you could get them at 25 to 1 at that point, which you'll never see, right, on right. a team like the Dodgers unless they fall to 16. To 26. Giants are 18 to 1. I just want to point that out. Should always factor I Giants, like Giants magic into your model. That's for sure. Um, we'll talk more baseball. We'll talk, uh, we'll update all the scores too. We got to do that. Coming up, the Knicks have come all the way back. Brooklyn just retook the lead 93 92. Barnburner in Brooklyn coming back. Beeson's primetime action. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back on primetime action from the South Point, Gil, Adam Burke in for Matt Brown today. Kelly here as well. Kelly, let's update the scores one more time tonight. Haven't done that in a while. Yeah, those uh, NBA games go, and the uh, Knicks up on the Nets right now, 98 to 97, going to commercial break. Uh, we've got minus 115 on the money line either way. If you wanted to get in live here for the last few minutes, 541 remaining in the game. No total all on the board right now. 222 and a half just popped up. Grizzlies up on the Raptors, 84 to 73. Seven minutes remaining there. The Grizzlies, eight and a half point live favorites, 190 and a half. The live total, Jerry Jackson Jr., your prop gets home, so thank you very much. Jeremy, I'll take a winner video whenever you got one ready. Um, let's see here. Let's go over to the NHL. Red Wings up 2-1 to one on the Bruins. 6.45 left in the third period. Red Wings minus 800. Bruins plus 450 if we wanted to hop into this. Totals set at 4. Capitals up on the Panthers, but Panthers coming back here. It is 4-3 to three Capitals. Eight and a half minutes left in the game. Capitals minus 360. Panthers plus 245. Eight and a half the live total. Wild up on the Coyotes. 3-1. Three to one, 330 left in the second period. Um, and we got the Predators up on the Blue Jackets. 3 to nothing. Nine minutes left in the second period. 
Blue Jackets 13 to 1 live, 5.5 the live total. Blues have cut into that Lightning lead. That is 3 to 2 now, 540 remaining in the second period. Lightning minus 240, Blues plus 175, 7.5 live total. Shaded a little bit to the over. Stars up on the Hurricanes, 1 to nothing in the first intermission. The Stars minus 195 live, and the Hurricanes plus 145. And that's everything we got going right now. Final over in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Florida State, Purdue. Purdue, 93-65 to over Florida State. Boy, this Syracuse-Indiana game in this far corner here. I was like, wow, what's this? Double overtime. There's There's my winner video. There's Kelly's winner video. John Daly. John Daly, sinking buckets. It's my favorite. Primetime winner. This uh, Big East ACC Challenge here, which does not have the sexiest matchups. But Syracuse up on Indiana, 107-102, with a little over a minute left in in the in second overtime, make it 107-104. Maybe a fantastic finish, unless they force a third overtime in this one. You didn't have anything in any of the Big East ACC games, did you? No, well, I, I took Rutgers in the game against Clemson that tipped off at 9 o'clock, but Syracuse blew an 18-point lead in this game. Ooh. And uh, they, that zone's given up 104 points here. So I know it's two <laughs> overtimes, but still. The, the Syracuse zone, not exactly effective tonight. We'll see what the last 47 seconds of uh, the second overtime has in store there. You and I were having this conversation off air, which I think is worthwhile to have on air, which is about we're, we're looking at those World Series odds and we're talking about how, yeah, I don't know about making any bets before the season starts. But then I, I made that Giants comment on the way out. And I, at off air, I said, I just think the Giants and Rays are smarter than everybody. And you co-signed to that. You think that's absolutely true. And that the Giants at 18-1 to 1 might be the one exception here on the board? Yeah, I think so. I mean, first of all, I don't know how the Giants have longer odds than the Padres. I know that the Padres have kind of more name talent, more household name kinds of guys. But, look, that is something that I have noticed in terms of my preseason prep work and all that. I do have an inherent bias towards teams that I know are very analytically savvy. Me too. Because they're going to get more out of their team than other teams are going to. And the Giants are one of them. They're just, they're smart. The Rays, very smart. I know the Rays a couple years ago, uh, 2020 actually, had them to win the AL, had them to win the World Series, had them over their season win total. Of course, COVID happened, and we had the shortened season and all that. They got to the World Series, and and they lost. And we all know about Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snell and so on and so forth. But, you know, these teams that are really smart, they just, they have an advantage. You know, whether it's an advanced scouting advantage in terms of matching up, whether it's just getting more out of their own players, out of their internal development staff, whatever the case may be, I do have an inherent bias towards these teams. And I think last year, I didn't realize just how smart the Giants were until that season was playing out because they went, what, 35 and 25 Mm -hmm. during the COVID shortened year. And their offense all of a sudden, they had a top five offense at home. That never happens in San Francisco. And I kind of wrote it off as an outlier. And that was a giant mistake on my part because they just found something that works. They found a way to be smarter than everybody else. And, and you think about them going toe-to-toe with the Dodgers all year long, that massive payroll, all those big names that everybody knows, and everyone waited for the other shoe to drop with the Giants, and it never happened. And it's because they're just that smart, that savvy of a team. What an unsatisfying ending with that Wilmer Flores oh. swing. That was not even close to being a swing. Um yeah, I just think, and we were talking, Farhan and Saidi just seem smarter than everybody else. The little Lamont Wade Jr. thing is the greatest poster child of that. There's just no evidence to support how great he was going to be. So I do think the Giants at 18-1, to 1, that would be worth a flyer. Um, 
and I, I was saying to you off air, I don't, I don't want to make the mistake that I made with the Warriors because I was saying before the season, I was like, how's every, everybody is so all about the Lakers and the Nets. Has everybody forgotten how great the Warriors are? And they're going to get Clay back, and they're at a great number. And I'm sitting there saying it, and I never pulled the trigger and made the bet. I ended up making the bet, but at a far less sexy number. I'm happy to have that ticket even in an Otani kind of way. Same thing with a Steph Curry MVP. But I just don't want to make that mistake with the Giants next year. I want to have a big fat ticket on them um, heading into the baseball season. Do you have anything Ohio State-Duke here is about to tip off at Ohio State? Nothing on this one. I will say Ohio State is an extremely well-coached team. And that may be enough to make up for the talent and athleticism gap in this game. But we'll see. I mean, we'll kind of have to watch this one from a live betting standpoint because Ohio State... I mean, look, they, they've, you know, they had that uh, that late win against Seton Hall. They didn't play particularly well, particularly well against Xavier. Uh, Duke, of course, coming off that Gonzaga win. A lot of moving parts to this game that maybe kind of lends itself for a live opportunity. I asked this question of Jim Root uh, from Three Man Weave this morning. I'll ask it of you. There seems to be some, some college basketball sentiment that, because take that Duke-Gonzaga game this weekend, Gonzaga got in foul trouble early in that game. Key players, obviously. And so a lot of people came out of that. A lot of the Coach K, the anti-Coach K crowd, we, we all know them, are sort of like, oh, Duke's going to get calls all year long. Do you think that's a thing? Like, does that stick in your head whenever you handicap a Duke game this year? The, the supposed farewell tour here? It's not supposed, but it's certainly a possibility. I mean, you know, we, we've seen the impact that the officiating has had at the NFL level. Oh, we you sure know? Have. So it's just something you have to keep in mind now. And, and the problem is that, you you know, kind of like turnovers, you don't really know which way exactly it's going to go. Hmm. In Duke games, you probably have a pretty good idea, <laughs> particularly, sense, yeah. particularly the ones at Cameron Indoor. I mean, this is a road game in Columbus for yeah. them, a true road game here with an Ohio State fan base that, wants to get excited about the basketball team because of what happened this past weekend. So maybe Duke doesn't get the favorable whistle here, but I would certainly think in, in all of their home games, there's a very good possibility it happens. Yeah, the thing with the flags, too, like I, I try to be as honest. This is the one thing also as handicappers. we got we got to try to be with ourselves, which is... Lagated. Uh, there, there's so many moments in games, and then you just purge it from your brain where you're like, yes, it was my great handicap. No, man, the, the refs have such an impact in determining these NFL games. They can determine it. They can, they can affect the game on any play if they want to. Like, yeah, let me just throw a flag for holding there. Um, and it kind of went against Seattle more often than not last night, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's one of those things we, we kind of have that victim bias mentality. You know, you think about you draw a parallel to poker. Everyone remembers the two outer that got hit on them. Sure. They don't remember the two outer that they hit on somebody else. It's like the blackjack player, right? Who, right. this is my favorite example, is the blackjack person. We've all been with these guys. Our buddies come into town in Vegas. Well, we, we all, even if we didn't live in Vegas, we'd all come, we'd play blackjack. And you have that one guy in your group who's like, oh, I hate when people come mid shoe. They always mess things up, right? And that's how they process it. So whenever it goes against them, but they never acknowledge all the times it goes their way. It's never, it's never the same calculus on their part. Oh, of course not. The, the person who sits down at third base who hits 16 against the 10, yes. and, and they get furious <laughs> about it, uh -huh. you know, and, and then it's like three hands later. Well, you know, it's still because they hit 16 against the 10. 
Okay, well, maybe the next shoe, it goes the opposite way. You don't, you don't really know. But to that point, and I actually wrote about this in the Burke's betting blurbs today. Burke's betting um, blurbs. You know, the, the foul fest at the end of college basketball games, right? Oh, Everyone remembers when they have an under. Of course. And there's, you know, 28 points in the final minute of the game because of free throws. Well, when you look historically, totals come in 50-50, over and under, 51-49 some years, something like that, to where for every game that there's a foul fest that, you know, blows an under bet for you, there's going to be a game where something happens that holds an under bet for you. It's just that we remember the ones that we lost and not the ones that we won. We're funny like that. That's how we are. By the way, 110-107, double overtime. Make it 110-108 in favor of Syracuse. 7.6 seconds left in the second overtime. Indiana at the line. Uh, Miller Cop at the line for one more free throw to try to cut this to one. Oh, pardon me. He had three shots. Apparently he was fouled from behind the arc. Missed that. So he hits the first two. He's got a third to make it a, to try to make it a 110-110 game with 7.6 seconds left in double overtime. Nothing but net. 110-110, Syracuse with the ball. No timeout to be called. Syracuse got to go the length of the court. Uh, good full-court defense. Syracuse does get it across the timeline. Drive to the hole. Good defense. No good. Do we get a call? Yes, we did. we did. We did get a call. Syracuse to the line with 0.8 seconds left and a chance to win this ballgame. Coming back, update everything. Actually, we'll look at this uh, Brooklyn Knicks game, which is going down to the wire. That's next. Vicent's primetime action. With Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker. Tracking props. Now available on VSIN.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to VSIN.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at VSIN.com slash NFL. A little over the back call here in this Nets Knicks game. So Nets basketball, they call a foul? Not sure if they call the foul. No, no foul call, just possession for the Nets. The Nets are up 108-107. We're going to be Nets ball, about eight seconds left on the shot clock. Nets are up 108-107 in a game in which they were about six-point preflop favorites. Yeah, what six, was Drew six, six and a half? What was Drew's second half wager? He had laying what? four and a half, I believe, is what he said. Yeah, how's that looking right now? Let me see. Do 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 do. Do not think good right now. It is. Yeah, they're only up. Well, they're up two in the second half. It's going to be a sweat for in everything. The balance, the final thirty. <laughs> the seconds. balance, indeed, for his second half bet. You got nothing on this game, Kelly, right? Now, nothing on this one. Uh, looking at these games. Uh, Coming up here tonight, we got three more starts. Lakers at the Kings. Uh, that will be going, looks like, Pickham or Kings 1 is what we're looking at in that game. couple injury notes on Sacramento side that have come out here over the past hour or so. Uh, they will, uh, Harrison Barnes will be out. Ammo Harkless will both be out for the Kings tonight. Uh, Anthony Davis is a go. LeBron out if you missed it earlier. He is uh, dealing with health and safety protocols uh, due to COVID. Saw this note earlier. LeBron James missed games in his career. First 15 seasons, 71 missed games. Last four seasons, 71 and counting. Yeah. 
I believe age is part of that. Yes, it is. Definitely. Uh, then we got we got Warriors at the Suns. That will be on after this Knicks-Nets game. Uh, Suns about a three-point, three-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Everywhere. And then the Pistons at the Trailblazers is the last game. And I, I've been kind of looking at a couple things on this game. It, Blazers be about a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. Total there, 209, 209 and a half. No Damian Lillard, no Norman Powell, no Nasir Little. For the Trailblazers tonight, those are three of their top four scorers on this team. I, I I haven't pulled the trigger, but I'm looking at a point prop on on CJ McCollum. I know that's kind of the obvious place to to go when you've got all these guys out, but I, I think McCollum is going to be chucking up a lot of shots tonight. So that's set at 25 and a half. He's averaging uh, not a great not great this year. He's under 20 points at about 19 points per game, but should get plenty of shots. Here is the inbounds pass for the Nets. Again, up 108-107. Five seconds on the shot clock. Durant drives to the rack. No good, but a foul. Oof. Ooh, they call a little late whistle right there. Listen so, to me, late whistle like I know, like we have the audio on in here. Do you do what I do when you're watching a game like this and then immediately go to the schedule page and find out who they're playing next? Yes. And then, and then try to decide yes. where you think that number is going to be and if you want to play against them? Ooh, that looked like to, oof. Julius Randle with the with the block, but I guess they called him with a little arm there. That's that's the uh, the star call right there. Yeah, that's the is the hand really part of the ball or not? Yeah, because he got all hand. Durant hits the first at two one hundred nine one hundred seven twenty seven point five seconds left. So three point five second difference between the shot and the game clock when the Knicks get the basketball back. Spike Lee courtside in Brooklyn tonight. And it's going to be a three-point edge here, three-point margin as Durant hits both. And so the Knicks with a chance to tie. Will we foul? Steve Nash is a big fouler in these situations. Got to love that about Steve Nash. We'll see, though, letting him play out. Probably uh, ooh, an early foul. An early foul there. Do they have fouls to give, though? Pierce, though. So. Yeah, Pierce. So. I, don't, I don't see a bonus uh, no, logo I on the either. TNT uh, bug. So, yeah, so... Let's see how the Brooklyn Nets, uh, this is always my thing in the NBA. When you're up three, figure out a way to foul. Steve Nash is about as good as it gets with that. Man, show Spike Lee again. What the heck is he? He's got like a pink suit on, but then it looks like a fanny pack with like a, a basketball in it built out of a net. How did you catch that? I, I, I've caught just quick glimpses. I want to see it again because I'm not sure what I'm looking at. It is quite a fashion statement. I though. couldn't get past the full length pink suit. <laughs> and then I realized there was like a basketball in his lap somehow. I didn't know what I was looking at. <laughs> he didn't usually go to Brooklyn Nets games, right? Just because it's the Knicks, I guess. I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah. 110-107. It is a long commute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we get to watch it. This is always one of these games where you're like, I'm so glad the Nets are going with their blue jerseys, you know, tonight. Just to, you know, not 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 create any more confusion. Well, that's their that's their old New Jersey Nets right. uniform back in the day. Super John Williamson. I just don't understand all these NBA teams. They do they do them like a chunk at a time. It's like for two months we're gonna wear these uniforms. Yeah. For two months we'll wear these. Michael Ray Richardson. Sorry. Just unload all my old school Nets knowledge. It's not like New York Nets, Dr. J. It's New Jersey Nets stuff. I got you. In between. All right. Jason Kidd, Vince Carter. Uh, A little bit later than Michael Ray Richardson. Yes. Michael Ray was the man. Ran into some trouble off the court, though. All right. So what's Steve Nash going to do? I think he he, he orders the foul here because that's his MO. He knows how to play this. 
15 seconds on the shot clock, 19.3 on the, on the game clock. Knicks down three. But this is where, like, in-game betting, when, when books post lines at this point, this is how you, you have to know what the coach's behavior is going to be to make your bets. Because, again, at this situation, if I know the coach is going to foul, I'll lay, like, minus 1,000 on, on Brooklyn here. But if I didn't know the coach was going to foul, I wouldn't lay minus, you know, a fraction of that. Oh, they get off the three-pointer. Bang! 40A. Couldn't foul him quick enough. 110, 110, 17 seconds left. Take that, Steve Nash. Catch me on the Now, that's the counter to that. Thibodeau, knowing that, is probably like, take it right off of the inbounds. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, I mean, because that's one of those even, usually that's the best shot you're going to get anyways. And B, if you, if you don't know exactly what the coach is going to do, you, you, you have to. And if you're already in your shooting motion, you can't foul. And Fournier sinks it. Way to go, Tom Thibodeau. Well done. 110-110 now. Tie ball game, 17 seconds left. Yeah, Julius Randle, uh, he's got 24-9-8 for the Knicks tonight. Burks with 25 for the Knicks. Um, a pretty impressive uh, there for him. On the Nets side, you got Durant, uh, no, Harden leading the way with 34. 10 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 steals, doing it all, all tonight. Durant, 27 points, 9 assists, 5 rebounds. So what's this play here? Just KD isolation, never passing the ball? Probably. Yeah. Gonna guess. 17 seconds to work with. I do like your point. I mean, you do have to know coaches' tendencies. You if, do. if you're going to live bet anything, you do. You have to have an idea of of what you've got going on with the coaches for sure. Though, as and, I said, you got two good ones here. Though, as I said, that Thibodeau with a great counter. But part of that bet is, you know, now Brooklyn. I didn't. I neither bonus. one of them. Bro- Brooklyn's yeah. in the bonus now, right? They are yeah, now. they are now. Yeah, yeah but the other one was in the bonus a second ago. Right, right. So here we go. But th- that probably adds more fuel to the KD isolation thing. If yep. he goes to the rim, you know, good chance D- that he daring gets the refs the call. not yeah. to make the call here. Right. Yeah, I, I, getting totally. that Coach K call. <laughs> so we're calling it a Coach <laughs> K call. Now. Duke and Ohio State, by the way, tied up at thirteen. Speaking of Coach K, all right, here it is. Julius Randle not even picking him up as the ball's thrown in because he's like, I know i got to wait about yeah. 10 seconds for him to shoot. KD getting doubled. What is he going to do? He's got he's to pass it. He does pass it to the rack. Oh, they called a foul with 2.2 left. Oh, they call a foul on Robinson, and the crowd is in disbelief. And because they're in the bonus, it wasn't even on a shot, the Nets will go to the line. Who was this? Oh, that looked like a clean. Did it look James clean to Johnson. you? That looked pretty clean. James Johnson. Trying to throw it down as usual. Oh, no, no, he got the Yeah, he got the, he got the wrist. That's a, that's a good call. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. So James Johnson to the rack. For the first of two with 2.2 seconds left, nothing but the bottom of the net. Brooklyn up 111-110. 2.2 seconds is what. There, oh, there's your, there's your Spike Lee shot. What is that? Yeah, what, what is going what is, on? Get out of the wow. way, Coach Tibbs. We want to see Damn. that. Sure, it's been all over Twitter tonight. Spike Lee cutting down the nets somewhere to make a fanny pack. <laughs> right, that, right, that's what I thought I was looking at, yes. <laughs> it's like he cut down nets to build a fanny pack out of it. 
All right, we're going to have to leave here, but we're going to see if we get the Tim's final. Tim's still covering him. Final 2.2 seconds, or are they going to call a timeout here? Second shot is up, and it is good. So it's a two-point margin. Uh, Knicks will have to go the length of the court here, two to tie, a three to win. Derek Rose to inbounds. Nobody checking him on the inbounds. Throws it to half court. Evan Fournier, three-pointer. No good. Brooklyn wins, 110. 112-110. But they do not cover. Knicks get the cover, and Drew does not get the second half with that. We got to run. Nightcap next from Circa Tim Murray, Sean King. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it, man. Let's do this again soon. That's great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Gil. Adam Burke, everybody, on the show tonight, filling in splendidly for Matt Brown. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 